So, good afternoon. Uh, my name's Michelle Hu. I'm a neurologist um, and I lead the cohort that many of you here have kindly supported since its start in 2010. And the family and carers and friends that are here as well. So, I'd like to thank you very much for coming. Um, we have a busy schedule today and I'm just starting with a brief five minute overview uh, on the cohort. Um, we then have some very interesting hot off the press presentations from our clinical research fellows on what we're finding out about personality, impulsivity in Parkinson's. Uh, we have a talk about alpha-synuclein and how that's relevant to our research and importantly about sleep and how that's relevant to Parkinson's. Uh, the PI uh, of our whole programme, Richard Wade Martin, is then going to talk about drug and target discovery. So what, as a, an OPDC, we are planning to do and are doing over the next four to five years in developing newer treatments for you. And lastly, I want to make sure that we have your needs and priorities as key to informing our research. And so what we're actually going to be doing is a survey of what your top 10 research priorities are in what you would want the cohort to deliver for you. So everybody here should have a single page of A4. If you haven't got one, uh, do uh, ask the girls at the desk as you come out to the coffee break. And this lists 28 key questions that Parkinson's UK identified with researchers from the James and Lind Alliance uh, as being potentially important for people with Parkinson's, their carers, their families, but also health professionals working with Parkinson's. So all you need to do over the next two hours is just be thinking about which 10 key priorities most matter to you and then circle the numbers. You'll see there's a space at the bottom which is a free text entry because there may be things that were missed and things that are actually very important that haven't yet reached notice. We'll then at the end of the whole afternoon do a very quick show of hands for what we think are people's most important objectives and then we will collate the information and email you the results later. And We'll see how we compare in Oxford and Thames Valley uh, with the 600 or so people who previously did this survey. So just to kick off, um, the cohort is now six years old. Um, it was set up in 2010 here at the John Ratcliffe first, and many of you here will have taken part. We recruit people with early Parkinson's. We've recruited a lot of uh, relatives of people uh, who are controls uh, without Parkinson's and people at risk. And in last October, we stopped recruiting new people to the study. We are now, in the next five years, carrying on to recruit people with a form of sleep disorder called REM sleep behaviour disorder, which is when people enact their dreams. You'll be hearing more about this from Tom Barber. We collect a lot of information, and today we're going to be presenting some of the information that we've collated from you so that you can start to see how it might be informing our research. Just to give you an idea of what a research visit involves, some of the nurses are here, and we've got our administrator team. For a single baseline visit for a participant, we're talking three to four hours for the visit, the questionnaires beforehand at home, uh, the time on the phone, similar amount for the clinician and admin team to administer the data and upload it. 
So given that we've now recruited 1,600 participants at baseline, we estimate a total of 29,000 person hours to deliver all the data that we've collected from these individuals from a single baseline visit. And I think this is absolutely a phenomenal amount of time and focus and effort has gone into this. And I'd just like to thank you all, particularly the patients, their families, but also all the support team and the researchers. Just from the single baseline, 97% of everybody gave a blood sample from which we were able to take DNA or serum. And it's amazing that despite the many questions we ask, 80% had completed every single field, uh, which is several hundred from that single visit. So our missing data is very small. It's only about 2 to 5% uh, across all of the questionnaires that we collect. So phenomenal. The strengths of the cohort are that we have one of the best well-characterised and extensively studied cohort of early people with Parkinson's. And the longer we collect this information, the more meaningful the data becomes in studying outcomes. We now have one of the largest worldwide cohorts of people with this REM sleep behaviour disorder, and we have a very strong imaging test based on an MRI scan to diagnose not just early Parkinson's, but people with this early sleep disorder. And we've recently published on that. We're developing quite a lot of expertise in wearable technologies, so remote sensing, devices that could be potentially used at home by individuals multiple times uh, on a day, over a week or a month, to collect uh, a much more in-depth uh, impression for the doctor on how Parkinson's is changing, what response to medication, how things like anxiety uh, or meals affect uh, absorption of medication. And lastly, we've now worked and shared our data with a lot of cohorts, not just in the UK, but across Europe and in America, so we can start to harmonise data. And this is absolutely critical when we're interpreting large amounts of data from different cohorts where different rating scales uh, could have been used. We're able to convert a smell test performed with the sniffing sticks shown here that we use uh, to the opposite. So actually it doesn't matter if the Michael J. Fox cohort in America has a different way of assessing it, we know what the equivalent value would have been. What's really now critical, and what I would just like to flag, is where we're going over the next five years. So of our 1,087 people seen at baseline with Parkinson's, only a small percentage, less than 3%, have actually been felt by our research clinicians not to have Parkinson's. And these people have had atypical Parkinson's, uh, dystonic or vascular Parkinson's. We've sadly had 49 people who have passed away since we started recruiting six years ago. This leaves 1,013 eligible for follow-up, of whom 109 have withdrawn, and that's for various reasons. 16 we cannot get hold of despite best efforts. And so this leaves about 83% who are under regular clinic follow-up and about 4% that we're now seeing uh, on the telephone. So we actually developed a telephone assessment which can all be done at home, doesn't require for the person who's more frail to come up to clinic. And what we're looking to do is to boost that recruitment and I'm personally going to be ringing the 109 people to see whether they might consider a phone assessment because we may not have been able to offer that until two years ago. 
So just a really plea for everyone, as much as possible, if you're no longer able to come to clinic, please let us know, but we do have other ways of assessing you and still getting the crucial data that we need for the project. So thank you very much. I'm going to hand over now to Fard.